The following audio is from Steadfast Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist to proclaim the good news of Jesus for the joy of all people to the ends of the earth. For more information about our church, our resources, or to support our ministry, please visit steadfastavl.org. My name is Mark. I'm a lay elder here. Our lead pastor, Brian, is... um, I think in Nicaragua. We were, we were joking before the service about all these Central American countries, and now I don't even remember which one he's in. But he's with a team, uh, Nicaragua, right? Okay, thank you. Uh, he, he's with a team in Nicaragua, so even as, as we are meeting here today, uh, and you think about it, be in prayer for them. Uh, I think he might have the opportunity to preach while he's there. Um, so that'll be exciting. And uh, then if you want to know more about our, our global missions, uh, things like uh, the, the Tanzania disciple-making movements, uh, as Richard uh, talked about, uh, we will be having a global mission fair in two weeks after the service, after the gathering, out here in our lobby, where you can learn about uh, various uh, things that, that we have our hands in. Um, I've had the chance to... Um, to meet Richard and his family, and uh, to be on his his property, uh, which is like a combination of a farm and retreat center all in one. So it's it's really a wonderful thing that he's doing there. Uh, he told us about uh, two of his neighbors who were young men uh, and uh, Muslim, and through the farming that he helped them with. Uh, they came to know Jesus Christ, and uh, it's a wonderful thing to see God's kingdom expanding throughout this, this earth. Well, I invite you to turn in your Bible to Luke. Did I go away? There we go. came back. Luke chapter 9. And we're continuing our series at the table. Meals with Jesus. And today we have a very familiar story. The feeding of the 5,000. Have you ever given a dinner party and more people, like significantly more people, show up than what you planned? You know, like someone says, well, my brother Steve and his family just showed up and so I thought I'd bring them. Hope that's okay. You're not mad, are you? And uh, I've been guilty of doing something like that with my uh, with my bride. But uh, anyway, we try to make do. You know, you throw more, a few more potatoes in the pot. You cut the hot dogs in half, and you you water down the wine a little bit, and and. Give the kids Fruit Loops for dinner so that the adults will have the main course to eat. We do much with little. Well, today's Meals with Jesus is the familiar feeding of the 5,000. And let's read it, and then we'll dive in and talk about it. So Luke chapter 9, we'll start in verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and, they, and he welcomed them 
and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. After taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of, frozen uh, of broken pieces. Sorry about that. This is the word of the Lord, not that word frozen, but... This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you will uh, take over my stumbling mouth today and, uh, and just help us uh, to, to get into your word here and to understand it, understand what you have for us here today. Lord, I pray that you would protect me and us from, ev uh, from evil and from error. I pray that you give us clarity. And wisdom, and may, may these words work to bear fruit in our lives 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold as you see fit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. The feeding of the 5,000. Probably one of the more familiar miracles in the life of Jesus. Uh, interestingly, it's the only miracle other than the resurrection of, of Jesus himself that is repeated in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're going to, uh, we'll delve into a little bit to what some of the other Gospels say, but we want to focus here on Luke. And today I want us to look at the three main characters or groups of characters, the crowds, the twelve, and Jesus. And that'll be our three main points of the message today. And through that, we want to learn that in God's hands, a little is a lot. In God's hands, a little is a lot. So let's first look at the crowds, verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. Now, let's give it some, some context here. At the beginning of the chapter, uh, uh, in the beginning of chapter 9, he says he called, it says, he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So he gives them some instructions on this and sends them away. And now they return and report all that they had done. They were sent to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. 
So just as Jesus has been doing, preaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God, healing people, so now the 12 have been sent out to do the same. Now that's going to draw a crowd. Now they come back and report what, what they have done. Now some commentators indicate here that it's possible that they were gone for as long as six months. Which means they are coming back tired but happy. They've seen God work. They've seen God do miraculous things. Things that they never thought they would be a part of. But they're tired. Now, there's something fulfilling about serving God and doing kingdom work. There's something fulfilling about that, but there's also something wearying about it. It can become tiring and exhausting. So we read here in verse 10, He took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Now, they're, they're near the uh, Sea of Galilee, and they're just going to set sail and go to another part, to a, uh, a lonely place. Mark indicates in his gospel that Jesus um, says, says to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. So this is a retreat. This is a time for the disciples to, to retreat and rest because doing kingdom work is tiring work. So this withdrawal is for the sake of the 12. But, verse 11, when the crowds learned of it, they followed him. The crowd saw that the boat that they had been in was gone. And they wanted more of this Jesus. They wanted, they wanted to see more. They wanted more people healed. They, wanted, they, were, they were desperate to be in the presence of Jesus. So they, they, they follow after him. Mark makes it even more explicit he says they ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. So now think about this. The disciples and Jesus who are going away on retreat arrive at Bethsaida and, and find the crowd is there. Can you imagine how deflating that would be? I thought we were going to have some time to ourselves. I thought we were going to have some rest and the crowd is here again. But what does Jesus do? Again, verse 11, he welcomed them. He welcomed them. Matthew says he had compassion on them. Mark explains it further that this compassion for this crowd was because they were like sheep without a shepherd. There's a desperation there that Jesus sees in this crowd. He knows that lost sheep need direction. They need provision. 
protection, restoration, rescue in some cases. And Jesus sees this crowd and has compassion on them and welcomes them. And not only that, he goes about meeting their needs. Reading further here in verse 11, he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. This is pretty typical in the ministry of Jesus, to go about teaching and healing. And his teaching was of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to say more about that later, so I'll just, let's stick a, <coughs> let's stick a pin in that. But he healed them. He, he met their needs. He had compassion on them. What do you see when you see the lost? I know for myself, people be, can be kind of irritating, right? When people act like people of Walmart... Or Turons of Yellowstone. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's always interesting. Or Real Housewives of Asheville. What do we see? A bunch of irritants, annoyances? Or do we see with the eyes of Jesus? Is our heart... For those sheep without a, past, uh, without a shepherd, is our heart the heart of Jesus? Well, this is the crowd. Secondly, we see the 12 in verses 12 to 15. So let's look there. Verse 12. Now the day began to wear away, and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. Kind of a reminder, like, Jesus, you said we were going to go to a desolate place and rest a while. This doesn't look like rest. Send the crowd away. So where Jesus had welcomed them, where Jesus had taken this, un, this interruption as an opportunity to, to minister, the 12 were, were dismissive. Now, I don't want to beat them up too much. They were, after all, worry, uh, weary. They had been out ministering, and Jesus said, Come away by yourselves, and let's rest a while. But Jesus does not adopt that dismissive attitude. And so the disciples say, send them away. Let them get food for themselves. Both Matthew and Mark use the phrase, have them buy for themselves. To the 12, the crowd was in need but they were responsible for meeting that need for themselves. So they say, send them away. Jesus, on the other hand, says this, verse 13. 
But he said to them, you give them something to eat. What? Other gospels say, have him saying, they don't need to go away. Jesus will not let the 12 continue with their limited thinking. Of course, they're thinking, we don't have very much. This is a great crowd. They need to go somewhere else to find what they need. But Jesus is about to show them that in God's hands, a little is a lot. So Jesus presses them to give what they have. They say, uh, again, verse 13, they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, but you can hear underneath that, like, well, that's impossible. They indicate in, in the other gospels that not even 200 denarii would be enough to feed them. Not even eight months of wages would be enough to feed this crowd. Verse 14 indicates just what we're looking at here. For there were about 5,000 men. If you figure on the women, it's probably at least 5,000. But as has always been the case throughout, throughout uh, the history of, of uh, Christianity... Women, by far, outnumber men in terms of following after Jesus. So we'll say at least 5,000 women, and then there's children. And so we're looking at, at anywhere from uh, 15,000 to 20,000 people. So it's a big task. But he says, what do you have? And they say, we have only five loaves and two fish. So he tells them, end of verse 14, have them sit down in groups of about 50. Now I think that in and of itself is a pretty big deal. Can you imagine this crowd of about, I don't know, maybe 200, 250? Let's get in groups of 50, everybody. How long that would take, okay? So this was not an easy task for them. Have them sit down in groups of 50. It is the disciples' role to obey their master. And there's a moment of decision here on the part of the 12. Are they going to keep questioning the Lord? Or are they going to trust him? They have no idea What's going to happen here? And Jesus says, have them sit down in tones of reassurance. Now I want to ask, those of you who are in service in some way for the Lord, you serve here in this church, you may serve in other ways, um, serving your neighbor, uh, feeding your neighbor, uh, whatever the case may be. Are you weary this morning? Are you like the 12? 
Well, I'd like to say that when you are weary in serving God, there's always a rest at the end of the day. Or there's always a rest at the end of the week. I'd like to say that. But my experience, and the experience of the 12 here, is that that's not always the case. That at sometimes when you are the, the most weary and the most ready to give up, God asks more of you. Just as Jesus asked the disciples here, you give them something to eat. Are they going to trust him? Now, honestly, though, we are probably more in danger of failing to make ourselves available when Jesus calls than we are of volunteering at a point when Jesus says, you've done enough. But be that as it may, you may feel inadequate to the task that you are called to do. You may be looking <coughs> at your calling and service that you're expected to perform and, and you feel like you should perform and you're looking at five loaves and two fish and you're saying, this is not enough. Well, are you willing in that moment to trust Jesus and obediently give him what you have and let him do much with little. So, they did so. They had them all sit down in groups of 50. The disciples decide without knowing what Jesus is going to do, they decide to say, okay, I don't know, but let's do it. Okay, you over here, you're about 50, sit down, you 50, go, go, go. Get everybody arranged. And now we come to the third character of our story today, Jesus, in verses 16 and 17. But I, I first want to go back to verse 11 and talk about Jesus and what he is doing. Verse 11 says, when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God. Now, this is important. If you read through the Gospels, you will find that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God and himself as the king. Just one verse here, Luke 4.43, uh, it says, He said to them, I must preach the good news <coughs> of the kingdom of God to, to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. The kingdom is mentioned in the Gospel of Luke 43 times. In Mark, it's 18 times. In Matthew, 52 times. Anything that is repeated that much is important. And it's important that we get it. The kingdom that, that he's talking about, Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is here. It's among you. It is the rule and reign of Jesus in the hearts of his people as they live out the implications of that lordship each and every day. 
This is the kingdom. We sometimes think of the kingdom in a future sense. And that is a true aspect of the kingdom. But sometimes in so doing, we, we leave the kingdom. We see these words, Jesus preaching the kingdom, and we think, oh, he's talking about the end. No, he's talking about now. Jesus came to inaugurate that kingdom. And yes, there are aspects of that kingdom that are not fulfilled in this day. And so we might say that the kingdom of God is now and not yet. Okay? Christians get that. As Christ rules and reigns in our hearts, and as the implications of that are lived out in our culture, Christ is ruling in this world now, but it's not complete. Not all things are in subjection. And that is to come. This is Jesus preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand, is here in himself. This King Jesus humbled himself by taking the form of a servant, living a perfect life for our righteousness, dying a substitutionary death for our sins, being victoriously raised from the dead for our justification, and then ascending to the right hand of God the Father to take his throne where he now rules while God is putting all of his enemies as a footstool under his feet until every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you are part of that kingdom now. Isn't that great? You're part of that. And this lost crowd needed more than anything, more than the physical healing, more than the food that we still haven't provided for them yet. They need a king. And that's what we need today. We need King Jesus. When we say, as Steadfast Church, that our purpose is to preach the good news of Jesus for the joy of all people to the ends of the earth, we are declaring that we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and King. And we call all people to the joy of submission by faith to this King Jesus. That's our call to, to the crowd. That's our call to the culture around us. Now, let's see what this King Jesus does. Verse 16. <clears throat> and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Jesus looks to heaven and gives a blessing. Now there are times in the Gospels where we see the deity of Jesus more, more clearly. Now what we affirm 
is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Fully God, eternally God, the second person of, of what we would call the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We affirm that Jesus is God, but he took on flesh and thus had two natures, a human nature and a divine nature. And there are times in the Gospels where that divine nature comes out a little bit more. Like when he calms the storm and the, and the disciples are in, more in fear of that than they are in fear of the storm. But this is one of those. This is Jesus the creator through whom all things were created taking five loaves and two fish and demonstrating for us that in the hand of God a little is a lot. He feeds this entire crowd with five and two. This is the kingdom being manifested on the earth for that one afternoon. Jesus, fully human but fully God, performs an act of creation. Now, it's always interesting to me that, you know, there are, there are charlatans out there that, that uh, you know, claim that they, they can heal people and do all kinds of miraculous things. And, and believe me, I believe God does the miraculous, even today. But some of these charlatans are pretty crazy. You know, they come up with some things and uh, claiming to cast out demons and... and uh, heal people. I've never heard a single one of them say, we're going to have a banquet and I'm going to create food for you. It just doesn't happen. This is Jesus uniquely bringing the kingdom into full view of over 20,000 people on that day. Now notice that he he took the loaves and fish and he first gave them to the disciples for them to set before the crowd. And this is the way that God is always going to work when he calls upon us to do something. We come before him with our five and two and it seems so inadequate. And we ask God, these efforts of ours, please multiply them. We might say a brief word to someone. We might write a card to someone to encourage. We may speak about Jesus in front of a coworker, and we fumble around and we, we feel like, oh, that was horrible. There's no way that person is going to ever come to faith in Christ through my words. What could he make much of through your little five and two? So he gives that to his disciples for them to distribute. Now we never know this side of heaven what our efforts will do and what God will make much of. 
But if you're holding back because you think you don't have much to offer, God wants to show you how much he can do with a little. This is always his way. If it were my grand efforts, if I could somehow see my grand efforts caused this to happen, who gets the glory in that? I do. But God wants to reserve the glory for himself. And so he, in his hands, our little is made a lot. Now, as we transition to our time of response, and in particular, our time of coming to the table of the Lord, I want to point out that in, in John's um, account of this miracle, uh, it happens in John 6, I invite you to read that on your own, um, it leads to a, a rather extended discourse on the part of Jesus. And these same people come back to Jesus after he's now starting to make some, some claims of who he is. They say, well, why don't you show us a sign? And it's like, um, you remember that feast that you had with 12 leftover baskets of, of food? Um, but Jesus says that your problem is you want more bread. And what you need is the true bread. John 6.35, Jesus says, says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He continues, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is pointing out to us that we don't need to seek for the, the temporal Bread and miss the true bread, which is Jesus himself. He says, if you eat of me, you will live forever. Now, obviously, he's speaking in, in um, analogical terms. He's, he's making an, an analogy here. Jesus would be broken and torn in two for the sins of the world and for the life of the world. And this, is, this becomes an analogy. The bread that I give him, uh, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This is an, an analogy of the belief in his finished work, in that work of being broken for us and hung out on the cross to bleed and die for your sins and mine. And if you believe in this finished work, with the empty hands of faith, having no merit of your own, having no works of your own. You don't even come to God and say, well, look, I'll give you, I'll give you all I can. 
and you do the rest. Jesus says, no, I did it all. So come to me with an empty hand of faith. Now, this is vividly pictured for us at the Lord's table. Participating in the Lord's table by partaking of the, uh, the elements, the bread and the wine or juice, in and of itself is not a, of, of spiritual benefit directly. It's not by partaking of these elements that we eat of the bread that, that Christ gives us. We eat of the bread that Christ gives us by by believing, by trusting in him. So this becomes a picture. And I, I would just encourage you today as you come uh, to the table to remind yourself of, as you place that in your mouth, this is, this is like trusting in Christ. This is like partaking of Christ. Now, I better not say too much more. I'll get in trouble with the Baptists. But uh, um, anyway, that's what I'd like you to think about as we come to the table today. Now, before we do that, let me put up a few uh, questions for us to think about today that you can uh, write down or take a picture of. Question one, is my heart for the sheep without a shepherd the heart of Jesus? Does my heart break with what breaks the heart of God? People who are lost, like sheep without a shepherd, need to not bring up our annoyance or feelings of superiority because we're better than them. It needs to evoke compassion. And out of that compassion, a willingness to serve the least of these. Uh, Question two, am I willing to trust Jesus and obediently give him what I have and let him do much with little? Am I willing to do that? For some of you, that may mean stepping up and serving where you have been reluctant to serve before. Now, I don't just want to make this about recruiting for, our, for all our various church ministries and the, the need we have for servants. That is certainly true. But I want you to be motivated by the right thing. And if you think you don't have very much and God can't use you, that is just untrue. So that leads us to our third question here. What could he make much of? With my little five and two. You may think all I have is five loaves, two fish to feed 20,000 people. But God can make in God's hands a little becomes a lot. Well, let's go to, to our communion, uh, time of communion now. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, I will sit down uh, for a moment or two, as we always do. Invite you to use that time to pray and to think about these matters and to think about uh, coming to the table 
with, with sins confessed. And leaning on the righteousness and trusting in Jesus Christ as you come. If you are not a believer, this, this part of the service is not for you. We just welcome you to, to remain seated. But after a moment of time for uh, prayer and reflection, I will get up um, and the, uh, then we'll, the tables will be open. Uh, we'll come from the back. We will have uh, servers here as we are during this, uh, this time. So um, servers, as I sit down for that time of quiet, this is when you can come up and take, take your stations. But I invite you to, to now reflect and come to the table. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus Christ who um, fully God became a man, took on flesh for our sake. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn from him today. But most importantly, help us to trust in him in all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.